I have the privilege today um, to speak on a, a standalone subject, and I've chosen to speak on the theme asking and receiving. And um, I want to start by giving a kind of testimony. We had a, um, an event at the end of August called Ashburnham. Um, this was the gathering together of a number of churches that we're working with. We had almost upwards of 2,500 people with children uh, across the site. And uh, it was an amazing time. And the theme of this conference was empowered by the Spirit. So if you were there, you immediately remember that. If you weren't there, don't worry, you haven't missed out because this illustration is going to be relevant to us this morning. And uh, one of the features of this event was the way in which people responded to what God was saying. So you're kind of in an atmosphere where you're hearing the Word of God, which was about the need for more of the Holy Spirit. And uh, the, the, the need to ask for more and the need to receive more of him. And so at the end of several meetings, I remember two in particular, uh, we at the front were a bit inundated with the amount of people that came forward for prayer, which is absolutely fantastic, uh, except that there were so many, many people, we didn't have enough people to pray for those people. And basically, what you, on two occasions, particularly for me personally, what I, what I did was, because I lost the plot in terms of praying for people, I watched and observed a lot about what was going on. And what was interesting is, even though people didn't have people to pray for them, they were asking at the front of these meetings for God to come and meet with them, and they were receiving from God without anyone having got to them. I, I thought this was really, really interesting. So when I finally got through the crowds to stand next to people, I literally had the joy of standing next to people and hardly even being there to encourage them. What are you asking for? They already knew because they were so hungry and thirsty. And before we'd even laid hands on them, they were already receiving what they were asking God for. It was amazing to see this happen. The God's people are hungry and thirsty. You don't necessarily need someone to be with you because you're coming to God. Jesus said, come to me. And even if you're praying for people, you're kind of shoving them to come to Jesus rather than you. And just the sheer privilege of standing there and watching people ask for more of the Spirit, receiving more of the Spirit, know that that was happening, no doubt at all, that tangible things were happening in people's lives. It really was a wonderful privilege just to be in the crowd watching this kind of go on. I also had this sense that when this was happening that this wasn't supposed to be strange. This is supposed to be normal Christianity. I had this sense that when an event like this comes to an end, it's not the end of, of receiving from God. In fact, from this moment on, there's the opportunity to go on and on and on, asking and receiving, asking and receiving more of God. So uh, the last couple of months, I've had the privilege of trying to encourage people who are either at Ashburnham or not at Ashburnham to realise this concept of asking God for things and receiving from, from God is actually something that should be happening all the time. It's part of your life. You don't have to wait for an event. You know, If you were there, well done. If you weren't there, you didn't miss out. Because God's here today. It's today that's important, not two months ago. Some of you are still living on the, the crumbs of Ashburnham. Please don't do that. Why? Because that's past. And today is a new day. And tomorrow is another new day. 
It says of the Israelites that God gave them manna for every day, but you had to eat it on that day because it had worms in it by the following day. You don't want to eat old food because it has worms in it. You need to keep on having a fresh supply from God throughout your life. And since Ashburnham had the joy of seeing and encouraging people and churches to, to go for more, to believe that God has more. So if you have your Bibles, I'd love you to turn to this well-familiar passage from Jesus speaking in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father, who is in heaven, give good gifts or good things to those who ask him? This passage of scripture tells me two things about God, the nature of God, the character of God. The first is this, that God must be a living God. You don't ask people for something if you then can't give them what you ask for. And so we see in this passage a God who is so confident that if you keep asking him, he has the power and the authority to give you whatever you ask for. He must be alive. This can't be, if he was a dead God, a dead idol, he wouldn't ever ask you to ask for things because he wouldn't have the ability to give you what you asked for. There is nothing impossible for God. There is nothing too difficult for him. He is alive and he will keep his promises and he does have the power to do what he has promised. The Bible's full of promises. God invites us to receive the promises that he has for us. How can he do this? Well, because he's alive and because he's faithful. He never says anything that he doesn't then do. So the first thing I get from this passage is Jesus is talking about the fact there will come a day when he will die and be raised from the dead and this passage will go on and on and on. He'll still be saying 2,000 years later, ask and you shall receive because he's alive. He's a living God. He has the power to do it. The second thing I see from this passage, which is one of God's attributes, his character, is that he is a giving God. Verse 8, for everyone who asks, receives. Now, you can only receive if someone is willing to give. And so this describes to me the richness of a God who wants to give and give and give. Verse 11, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give, give good things to those who ask? He is a giving God. He gives abundantly into our lives you are only here today breathing because God has given you the ability to breathe You're, he, he's the one who gave you life in the first place he, he, he's the one who gives us everything 
John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. We have revelation today of who God is and what he's like because he gave us that revelation. I believe God is the God of love because he has given that revelation to me. It's not something I made up. It's something that he gave. He's a giving God. He has given us his word. This word is full of truth. God gave it to us so that as we do walk through the uncertainties of life, we would have truth in our lives that would not only set us free, but give us a rock on which to build our lives full of wisdom. God gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Give us this day our daily bread. God has the power to give you all the provision that you need for every day of your life. You know, even when you give things up, when you become a Christian and you walk away from things that used to be precious, the Bible promises over and over again that you won't be missing out because God will give back to you a hundredfold for what you sacrificed. Wow, what an amazing, glorious, wonderful God. He's a living God, and the good news is he proves that he is living by the fact that he is giving. He's a living God, he's a giving God, and above all, this is what I want us to home in on this morning, we can be particularly confident what we can ask for and what we can receive according to the promises that God has made. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4 by which he has granted, the word means given, by which he has given to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them, through them, through, what is it? Through them, yes, you may, it's my eyesight, the gray hairs are back, you may become partakers of the divine nature. This is the God who we serve. He's a giving, giving God, and then he's gone and given us Loads of promises. Now here's a question. So if all that is true, where are they? Why am I not experiencing more of this living, giving God? Why am I not experiencing promises that I know he's made for me, for you, and yet I'm, if I'm really honest this morning, I'm not experiencing them in my life. Where are they? Where is this living, giving God? I think you can only come to two conclusions based on Matthew chapter 7. I think you can only come to two conclusions about that dilemma. Where are these promises? The first is God may be reluctant to give them to you. Well, apparently not. <laughs> the God who says ask, seek, knock would hardly be doing that if he was then reluctant to give us what we're asking for. So this is a God who, who, who apparently is not at all reluctant to give to us. In fact, as you go through, if you track the words of Jesus, he's unapologetic in the way he goes overboard. He keeps saying to us, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it for you. I'm not the problem. Whatever you ask, I will do it. So we have not only this passage here in Matthew chapter 7, ask and it will be given, seek and you'll find he will give, 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 without any reluctance. You find passages like Matthew chapter 18 and verse 19. Jesus said, again I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. 
Matthew 21, verse 22. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. I love these passages in, uh, in the Gospel of John as well. John chapter 14 and verse 12. Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. It doesn't sound like a reluctant God. It doesn't sound this reluctance on his part. Verse 13, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. <laughs> if you ask anything, me anything in my name, I will do it. John chapter 16 and verse 23. Jesus said, in that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Uh, I hope you agree with me that these unapologetic statements prove to us today that God is not reluctant to give us the things that he has promised to us. I made a quick summary, a phrase if you like, phrases of what Jesus actually says to us about his promise to us. It shall be yours. It shall be done for you. It shall be given to you. You will receive. It shall be done. I will do it. And in all these verses, I cannot find a 21st century southeast London get out clause. It's kind of like these things are being said, but I know that you, you, you intellectual, academic, southeast London people, I know that you're not going to take this far and there must be other issues and questions. It doesn't appear anyway, anywhere. It's just unapologetic. So, second conclusion I must come to when it comes to asking and receiving is the issue isn't God's reluctance. The issue has to do with me. The issue has to do something on my part that I'm not at the moment experiencing the promises of God in the way that he has declared them. The Bible says this very simply. The promises are received by faith. All through scripture, the only way that you are ever told that you can receive a promise from God is that you have to operate in something called faith. It's not a complicated thing. It's very childlike. It has to do with believing what God has said and he has the power to do it. But this is faith. And faith is action. And what I saw on Ashburnham were people who'd heard a word, were responding to it and asking, but their asking wasn't just words, it was responding by faith. And the reason that they were receiving so readily from God is because between the asking and the receiving, there's this little word called faith. People were reaching out and they're saying, I really believe God that you can do this. I really believe you're faithful. I really believe the problem isn't with you. I really believe that the problem is something within me, that I must start to activate this faith. So I think a lot of Christians are passive. God said it, and this is my position. I'm just waiting. I'm just passively. I'm just passive. I'm just waiting. Rather than leaning into God and taking what God has already promised to give to you anyway. And so we find that faith is the thing that activates this. 
Hebrews chapter 11 is the story and account of a whole crowd of people, just like you and me. But the reason their names are mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 is not because they're superhuman, faith-filled people. It's just that they heard God and then they did something. So Abraham, by faith, left his country. Noah, by faith, began to build an ark. The people of Israel began by faith to Have you noticed all three had to walk? They had to do something. Noah had to build an ark. He didn't receive it from heaven when he was in a Sunday morning meeting. Hallelujah, here it comes. He didn't. He had to activate faith. He had to do things in order to see these things become a reality. And so the promises from God are waiting for us to activate this faith. When I ask the question, where are, where are these promises? It's kind of like, who's waiting for who? Is God waiting for us or are we waiting for God? Well, Matthew chapter 7, the passage that we just, we just read at the beginning would indicate that it's God who's waiting for us rather than us waiting for him. He's ask. There's the invitation. There you go. And then what does he do? He waits. What does he wait for? He waits for us not only to ask but then to receive what he has promised to give to us. Now, the, the intelligent or the academic of you this morning will already have been noting that throughout those scriptures that we read, those many scriptures we read earlier, that there's something else that's important, not only faith, but something else is important for us to activate, and that is conditions. There are conditions to you and I receiving these promises, and these conditions are very important. Now, let me say right off, These are not rules and regulations, and they're not difficult, and they're not tiresome. The conditions are easy. The whole thing is set up that a child can ask and receive from God. In fact, I happen to believe that children are much better than most of you sitting here this morning at this. Asking and receiving. So they're not tiresome, they're not difficult, they're not beyond anybody sitting in this room today. God's part is to be faithful to the things that he's said. Our part is to exercise faith and then fulfill the conditions. Let me give you a quick example. Jesus Jesus said this amazing thing, another amazing promise. If you abide in me, I will abide in you. But it's not automatic, is it? Being a Christian doesn't make you fruitful. It's being a Christian who chooses to abide in Jesus that makes you fruitful. And so Jesus makes the promise, I'll abide in you. The God of the universe will come and abide in you. But the condition is, if you abide in me. So if I want God to abide in me, all I have to do every day, when I wake up in the morning and say, day to day, Lord Jesus, I choose to abide in you. See, the Bible describes you as a branch on the vine, and that Jesus is the vine. If you want the life of Jesus in you, it's no point just being a branch, you have to be knitted into you have to be joined to the vine and so that's a that's an example of what I'm trying to say so here are the four conditions number one I told you we weren't deep look at this first one ask should come up behind me I'm sure it will there is I mean is that really too simple for any of us to ask you're thinking David come on we're, we're, we're bright people here. The first condition is going to ask. Well, I mean, that's not very deep, is it? Do you know I think this is one of the most profound difficulties 
that many of us in this room have and will answer the question as to why we're not receiving the promises of God. It's almost like, can it really be this simple? And yet for many people in this room today, this is the area of struggle. It's a struggle because of our culture. I think we British people struggle with asking. Some of you were probably raised with, it's rude to ask. It's like it's, it's, it's rude to ask. So, okay, so asking is, at, at best, is negative. It's rude to ask. We don't like to bother people. There are even men in this room who are really grateful that sat-nav was invented for when you're driving your car because in the old days, it shows you how old, you have to wind down your window and ask someone the way. And some men here, myself included, would rather drive for hours than ask anybody. It's a kind of pride man thing. Now we've got sat-nav. We don't have to bother to ask. We just listen and watch. Asking is difficult in the culture, and I think it's terrible in our culture. I mean, hardly a week goes by when I'm talking to somebody and they apologize for taking up my time. Or they apologize for, I'm so sorry, you know, I'm so sorry because I'm asking you for something. This is a little hint as to why many of us in this room do not receive the promises from God. Actually, I really don't like this culture that I've been raised in that says it's rude to ask or don't ask or don't bother people because it results in an impoverished life. We need to get over this. I think it's actually even worse. I think it's self-sufficiency. Asking must be there's a weakness because you've got a need, therefore you need to ask. So guess what? You don't get anything. You stay in your self-sufficiency. When it comes to God, you can't afford to be self-sufficient because you can't live the Christian life like that. It doesn't work. And so here's the first condition, that is that we are to ask. And then not only is it our culture, but some of us struggle because we're Christians now. (laughs) And we know there's lots of things in our lives that aren't what they should be. And we ask the question, well, who am I to ask God for things? Let me answer that question straight off the bat. You are a child of God. That's the only qualification you need to ask God for anything. It's not how well you're doing. It's how faithful is he to answer your prayers when you ask him. Can I encourage you this morning to become very good at asking for things? Become very good at asking. Some of you, you've got children, okay? Can I ask, are they good at asking for things? And do they only ask once? Or do they ask again and again? Oh, for goodness sake, all right. Because they're children, so they don't, they just keep asking, 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 asking. I want to suggest to you this is what your relationship should be with your heavenly father. You may say to me, well, what should I ask for? The answer, according to Jesus, is anything. So I must only trouble God with spiritual things. How wrong you are. God is involved in every part of your life. He wants you to be involved in everything. There's nothing that you should not ask God for to be involved with you. Nothing. 
You say, well, that's just a silly small thing. God is, I've actually spoken to Christians. I won't bother to ask him for that because he's got the universe to be bothered with. So why should he be troubled with the universe to be bothered with my little thing? Well, guess what? Because you think like that, you're not going to get what you should ask for. Stop thinking. It's so wrong to think like that. When you woke up this morning, do you know what God was thinking about? He was thinking about you. That's how interested he's in you. He hasn't got a problem with the universe. He's got more of a problem with you. He's longing for you to enter into this experience of receiving all his promises. He invites you to ask for him. Even if a sparrow falls to the ground. I think it's fascinating the scriptures talk about sparrows. Aren't they the most boring birds on the entire planet? I mean, who, who's bothered with a sparrow? You don't find people go, oh, look, there's a sparrow. If it was a robin, everyone goes, oh, look. But this, and yet Jesus says, even if a sparrow, that worthless, grey-brown kind of creature, falls to the ground, your heavenly Father knows everyone. How much more does he know all about you? How can you sit here this morning saying, I won't bother God with this trivial little thing when God's actually passionately interested in you and your needs and everything about your life. Hallelujah. We do not ask sometimes and therefore we don't get. Amazing, isn't it? We just read it in John 16, 24. Until now you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. James chapter 4, verse 2 Right at the end of that verse, it says, you do not have because you do not ask. Wow. Simple. Do you want to ask? Do you want to receive things from God? First condition is you need to start asking. Please get into the habit of asking, particularly about his promises. If he's the one who said, I will not leave you as an orphan, you should know that on the inside. If he's the one who said, I will give you peace in anxiety... If he's the one who says, I will give you joy, even in the midst of your difficult circumstances. These are promises I should be asking him for and experiencing them in my life. Now, I discern sometimes whether I should give my children the things that they are asking for. But for now, I just want to say that doesn't ever stop them from asking. Again and again. No promises. Perhaps we hadn't asked. And can I just say this? There's no point just asking once. Scripture says, keep on asking. In fact, that verse in, in Matthew 7 says, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. I've been asking God for some things in my life for years. It's crazy to stop asking him because they haven't come. Because he's faithful. And I need to keep on believing and asking him. Very quickly, condition number two. We are to believe Mark chapter 6, verse 5. And he called, and he could do, Jesus, no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Most of us in the UK church would be quite happy with that. He could do no mighty work amongst them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. You see, you and I can quote the promises of God, but. If we don't believe them, then nothing's going to happen. So I ask. Okay, good, you're starting to ask, but you've got to ask believing. You've got to ask trusting. You've got to ask knowing who you are asking. 
that he's a faithful God and he has the power to do what you're asking him to do. This was the essence of Abraham's life. That Abraham, he messed up, he got things really badly, but there's this one moment he says, but Abraham believed God. He stopped and he considered the one who made the promise and he considered he had the power to do that which he had promised and faith kicked in and he received the answer. It was to do with his believing. One quick example for that would be praying for people who are sick. The Bible's full of promises that he is a healing God who comes and heals people. Now we know when we pray for people, sometimes they don't always get healed and sometimes they do. You see, and then, and then the issue is this. We need to understand that, that we can't heal people. We can pray for people. But only God can heal people. But there's a connection between our praying and God healing and our belief system. And so over years, I've, I've come to this conclusion that if I pray for someone who's sick, I don't know whether they're going to be healed. I certainly can't heal them, but it is my responsibility to pray. God, you are the one who heals. I will pray. If I pray for 100 people and none of them get healed, then I'm going to pray for number 101. I don't stop because I can't heal people anyway, but I know God is faithful and he'll do this. But what I've learned to do or what I am learning to do is when I do pray, in fact, I am not going to pray for you unless I believe that as I pray, something was going to happen. It's all I, I ask of myself. Dave, when you pray for people, please, please believe that God can do what you're asking for. Otherwise, it's just a noise. It says in Hebrews chapter 4, the people of God need to mix what they were asking for with faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. We need to grow in our believing. Condition number one, ask. Condition number two, when you do ask, believe. And then condition number three is pray in his name. Now a lot of us pray in the name of Jesus at the end of a prayer. In the name of Jesus, amen. Is that what Jesus means? Whenever you pray, just pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Sometimes when people pray very long prayer meeting, uh, prayers and prayer meetings, I kind of say, you, you'll hear me saying, if I think it's too long, you, you hear me saying, yes, amen, amen. In his name, in his name, in the name of Jesus, amen. I'm trying to, that's not really what Jesus is saying when he says, and we are to pray in his name. It's not finishing prayers. To pray in his name is to sense his will. It's to pray with his mind. It's to pray with his love, to pray within his desires. It's really to check out the motives of why I'm praying. Am I praying this for my glory or my selfish gain? Or am I praying this for the glory of God? Does it tie in with his will? Is this going to glorify him? Some of you sometimes have come across what's called the prosperity gospel. Interesting thing is, God wants to prosper his people. But if you want to be prospered for yourself and selfish gain, you're on, very rock, you're on very, very thin ice. Because in the end, it's all for me, me, me. What can I get to prove my spirituality? By all means, believe that God prospers you, but for his glory and for the blessing of the others around you and the nations of the world. Check out your motives. I find this is very interesting. James chapter 4, verse 3. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. To pray in the name of Jesus is just to check it out. Lord, am I praying this for your glory? 
for the extension of your kingdom. I've, I, I really believe this is your will. I'm praying in your heart and your love for this person. And the fourth and final um, condition is this, to receive. It's just strange if you find, if you're a person here this morning that struggles asking with God for things for whatever reason, you're probably someone who also struggles with receiving. Or maybe you're good at asking God for things, that's not your problem, but struggle with receiving things from God. That's far too simple. And crazy as it is to imagine that you find it difficult to ask, when you, it's just, just think of this moment, you can ask and you can believe when you're asking and you can be absolutely sure you're praying in his name and yet still nothing happens because you're not good at receiving what you're asking for. And so we receive nothing. I think we're in a culture that finds it very difficult to ask for people, for things. I think we're in a culture that finds it even more difficult sometimes to receive from other people. Just find it so difficult to receive. And so that's why when it comes to God, it's the same kind of thing. It's hard to receive. Again, some of us as Christians, we'd be saying to ourselves, well, who am I that I should receive? I'm in a mess. I'm, I'm not worthy. And again, it's not dependent on how you're behaving. It is dependent upon the faithfulness of God. Think of your salvation. You didn't get saved because you were behaving well. You got saved because you received the gift of salvation when you were in a mess. Hey, what's changed? We're still in a bit of a mess and we still need to learn to receive from God. How faithful God is. The baptism in the Holy Spirit, which is what a lot of people were experiencing at Ashburnham, were people suddenly realizing it's a gift from God. The only qualification is I'm his child. Father, I receive what you have promised. And boom, the gift comes and people start to receive from God in a powerful way. That's receiving. There are two words that are used in scripture for receiving. And one of them is that moment of receiving by those who wait upon the Lord. Just waiting, waiting, waiting. The other is a word called lambanu. And lambanu means to grasp hold of what has been promised. You're not waiting anymore, you're taking hold of it. Can I suggest to you, the promises of God are received by us lambanoing. There's no such word, but I'm just using it. As you and I reach out and grasp it. So when I used to go on, when my four kids were still at home, and uh, I used to go on trips, I'd go away on Monday, maybe come back Friday, I'd say to them on Monday, by the way guys, when I come home on Friday, I'm going to have bought you some gifts, I'm going to buy sweets probably, mostly at the airport, and where I've been, and I'm going to come back and on Friday, I'm going to come, and I'm going to give you sweets, because I promised them. So when Friday came and I opened the door, and my four kids ran into the hallway, they weren't bothered about me, they knew what was coming. And, and I, would, I, would, I would say, here are the sweets that I bought for you at the airport. They're yours. They've got your name on it. They're your gifts. I've bought them. I promised them. I'm a faithful dad. Here they are. I don't remember on any one occasion, any of those children with their hands behind their back saying, but Father, we are not worthy to receive <laughs> what you have given to us. What happened? You tell me. 
when I put, yeah, Lambanu, that's what happened. When I put my hands out, they ignore Father. And do you know what? They're absolutely right. That's the way to receive something. And I am a father of this earth. You being evil know how to give good gifts. My goodness, how much more does your heavenly father know to give good gifts to his children? Can we stand to our feet, please? Sadly, almost out of time. Just close our eyes for a moment. There's a couple more things just that God wants to do. Please note this, that Jesus didn't say over and again, ask and you will receive immediately. He didn't say that. Often, when you ask him for things, he does give it to you straight away. But sometimes there seems to be a delay. I just want you to know this, that if there's a delay in what you've asked for, the promise doesn't change. It stays exactly the same. It doesn't matter if it's months or even years, the promise is still the same. What you do in that delay is really interesting. Some of us have asked and given up because it hasn't happened, but the promise is still the same. Do you know, you gain nothing by stopping asking. You say, well, I've been asking for so long. Keep asking, keep asking, keep asking. Some of us need to respond to that today. Some of us might think this morning's word has been a, a bit self-indulgent. I reckon there's people here already rejecting this because it's, ooh, it's too much about me getting things from God. I just want to say to you, it must be one of the most missional moments, one of the not self-indulgent, one of the most outward-looking moments when people come across your life and mine and find that you're an ordinary person who knows a living God who is a giving God. And you're in a relationship with this God. And you, your life is enriched because you are receiving and receiving and receiving the promises of God. This is not self-indulgent. This is being sought and light. This is being a magnificent example to those who are around. I'd love us to pray for people this morning. It's hard to do, preach a word like this and then not get a sort of response. <laughs> I think actually for a lot of us, this is a lifestyle moment. Am I going to live like this for the rest of my life?